The word of our Lord from the Gospel of Luke. Now behold, on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, two of his disciples were traveling that very day to a village called Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to him, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. We were hoping that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it. He gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And immediately he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour, and made haste, and ran toward Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. So these two disciples told them about the things that had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God forever and ever. Amen. We live in a world that is filled with troubles. We are surrounded by anxieties. We are surrounded by worries. 
We are lambasted on the news of bad news. Rarely good news. In fact, Lindsay and I were speaking, I think just this week, about the, a, a news story that came out that was celebrating some awesome things that, uh, that, that a business owner had done or that someone had done to, to help out a young man who was wanting to, to take his girlfriend on a date and he had no way of earning money. That's what it was. He was he, so he was trying to mow lawns to raise a little bit of money just to take his girl on a date. And so this, this, this man thought, this is a good idea. So he gave him lots of opportunities to work and lots of chances. That, hey, instead of just mowing the lawn, I'll have you work around the house and you can earn quite a bit of money. And it turned into a news story. Just a couple of generations ago, maybe even just one generation ago, that wouldn't, that wouldn't have been a news story. That would have just been kind of everyday life. But now it seems like the only stories we hear are bad stories. The only, the only news we hear is bad news. We are living in a world that is filled with troubles and we are surrounded by those troubles. Some of us are anxious about what's going on in politics and we're worried about the election that's coming up and we're rightfully thinking uh, it could get pretty bad. It could get really good. It could get really bad. We, we don't know, but... Our anxieties are starting to, uh, to go to work. We're worried about our culture and what's happening within our culture and how things are so vastly changing so rapidly within just a, a period of years. Our families have a variety of struggles and hurts, disappointments. We have friends who are hurting. We're worried about work. Whether we're in the, the right place, whether things are going as they ought. Maybe things have gotten tough. Many of us have been facing death and loss very recently. It's pretty bad when you think you're having the worst day of your life. That can be pretty bad. The only thing that could perhaps be worse than that is when you feel like you're in the worst period of your life you've ever been in. Where it seems like every day is just a slow and numbing pain and loss. When Jesus was crucified, all of His disciples, not just the 11 faithful disciples, but even others, there were many women who were following Him. There were others like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. There were others like this man Cleopas here that we read about along the road to Emmaus. And the other disciple with him who's unnamed. There were many, many disciples who were absolutely devastated. This was supposed to be God's Redeemer. 
This was supposed to be the Messiah, the Christ, God's anointed, Yahweh's messenger, Yahweh's deliverer, his savior for his people. And like all of the other would have been messiahs, this one is killed by the powers that be. He stirred up the hornet's nest and died as a result. But something different happened with this Messiah. Something that doesn't just happen. Something that doesn't, is not a part of our normal, everyday, natural world. Something that seemed impossible. And we talked quite a bit about that last week. Here these two disciples are walking along the road and it's funny that they they recognize the testimony of the women who went to the tomb. They recognize what Mary has said she has seen, but their eyes have not seen it. We give Doubting Thomas such a bad rap. But here these two disciples are walking along and and they're, they're talking to Jesus and they don't know it. And they say, it's just terrible. He was supposed to have been the Messiah. Are you the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard of Jesus? They're talking to Him. Yeah, it's terrible. It was absolutely horrible. Our people killed Him. And He's been dead for three days. And what's just weird now is... Some ladies that were a part of our group, they went to his tomb and they said he's not in the tomb, but we can't find him. They're still sad. They're not banking their hopes simply on the testimony of others. They are still walking and Jesus specifically asked them, what are you talking about? Why are you so sad? The magnitude of Easter rests in the fact that we celebrate not just an empty tomb, but we celebrate a risen Lord. We celebrate a Messiah who was laid in a tomb and came out of that tomb. We don't just celebrate the fact that the tomb is empty. We celebrate the fact that the empty tomb points to the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And His disciples saw Him. His disciples ate with Him. His disciples ate food that He cooked on occasion. They touched Him. They spoke with Him. They heard His voice audibly as He was in rooms with them. And has, as He met them along the roadside. Easter is about Jesus' presence. In a few weeks, we will celebrate the ascension where we're reminded that Jesus who rose from the dead now sits at the Father's right hand in heaven. And then we will celebrate Pentecost where we're reminded that through the Holy Spirit, Jesus promised to come and to be with us and to indwell our hearts. 
But right now, we live in the time in between. In between Jesus' first coming and in between His coming again. And we feel as though there's a great, a great chasm that separates heaven and earth. But the Scripture's testimony to us is that heaven and earth are not vastly distant lands, but rather they are two dimensions of reality that are separated by a thin veil. And throughout the Scriptures, you've got times where that veil is pulled back gently and we're able to peek in and see what's happening in heaven. Heaven and earth in the Scriptures overlap in the tabernacle and in the temple, which serve as a foreshadowing of the incarnate Christ, which is where in a dramatic and miraculous way heaven and earth meet in the person of Jesus the son of god becomes the son of man but paul uses this sort of temple and tabernacle theology and he talks about how in the church in Christ's church you have heaven and earth meeting together overlapping one another He tells the church that they are the temple. That God's Spirit dwells in them. But He also speaks of the heart of the believer. That Jesus' people, in their hearts, heaven and earth, are overlapping one another. But the amazing thing about the Gospel is that Jesus is not just spiritually present to us. When we say that Christ is in our midst, we're not just speaking about a spiritual reality. He is also physically present to us. What do you mean, Pastor? How, I, I haven't seen Him. I haven't met Him on the roadside. Jesus makes Himself physically present to you in a number of ways. He makes Himself present to you in one another. Present to me in you and present to you in one another and in me. The New Testament talks about the fact that when the, the people of God gather together in fellowship, that God is in their midst, that He inhabits their praise, that He is with them. Jesus said, we often quote it out of context, that where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. He's actually talking about when there's correction going on. Even in accountability, even when we're calling each other out saying, hey, you need to tidy things up a bit. You need to get with the program. That even there... Through one another that Jesus is in our midst. Jesus tells us that He makes Himself physically present to us as well through those with great need. He called them the least of these my brethren. Those in prison. Those who have lost a spouse. The widows. Those without families and parents. The orphan. Those in need of food. 
those in need of water, those in need of shelter. What you did to them, you did to me. He's not talking about some spiritual reality here. He's talking about physical action. When you gave bread, you gave bread to me. When you withheld bread, you withheld bread from me. When you gave a cup of ice water, you gave it to me. When you neglected to give ice water, you neglected me. Jesus makes himself not just spiritually present to us, but physically present to us. And he spreads before us a table, his table. And he invites us to a supper, his supper. And in the sacramental life of his people, he makes himself physically present. He is the host at communion. And as a good host, he's sure to show up. Oftentimes we miss that he's there. Luke tells us that these two disciples, Cleopas and the unnamed one, adds a little bit of mystery the unnamed one. They're walking along the road and their eyes are veiled. They, they, they cannot recognize that this is Jesus who comes up beside them. You might be wondering, how in the world could they not know? They must have not that, been that good of friends with him if they couldn't recognize him. Maybe they're just kind of bandwagoning it like, oh yeah, man, we're really upset. We've lost a one we really care about, and they, they've not even met him? Who knows? I've never seen a, a resurrected person. You've never seen a re- resurrected person, I don't think. So I don't know how that works. But they're walking along. They do not know him. Oh, the irony. Are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know Jesus? You haven't a clue what's happening? God certainly has a fantastic sense of humor. The Bible is filled with his humor. But it also appears that he enjoys playing hard to get. Jesus doesn't say, it's me, you fools. Instead, he keeps leading them on. He he begins giving them Bible lessons from the Old Testament. From Moses and the prophets. He's just walking through the Old Testament. Wasn't this what you were kind of expecting to happen? Well, no, this is not what we were expecting to happen. We weren't expecting him to die, but the scriptures say that he had to die. That he was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes we are healed. Yeah, but... You're just not understanding. This wasn't supposed to happen. He's God's messenger. That sort of thing just doesn't happen to God's man. What? Haven't you read your Old Testament? That always happened to God's men. 
They were sawn in two. They were, they, they were killed in battle. All sorts of terrible things happened. Yeah, but this was different. This is supposed to be the one. Doesn't the Bible say, though, that the one was to suffer and then be glorified? All right, guys, I'm going to press on. I got somewhere else I've got to be. Oh, come on, stick around with us. It's getting late. It's, it's late in the day. Where are you going to go? Just stay. We'll, we'll enjoy some more conversation. We'll share a meal together. It's, the Scriptures say they constrained Him to stay with them for a while. And as He stays... The scriptures tell us that he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. Was it perhaps that when he broke the bread, they took note of his hands and saw scars, wounds? In communion, when we break bread together, we are invited we are given an invitation to be mindful that Jesus was wounded for our sake in our behalf for us when we hear those words the body of Christ which is broken for you the blood of Christ, which is shed for the remission of your sins. We are reminded that it was for us that He died. And to save us and to redeem us, He gave His life to be broken, to be killed. They constrained Him to stay for a while with them. Unfortunately, we'd often rather have Jesus just rush along. Give us a little bit of space. Come on, Lord. Give me a break. We find spending time with Him an inconvenience and an imposition on our time and on our energy and on our other better things that we have to do. We'd often rather just have Jesus rush along. Unfortunately, we'd also often rather pull away from the church, especially when bad things are happening, when, when it's the worst day of our lives. The last person we want to talk to is someone who, who's, who's able to, to really offer us some help, some encouragement. Unfortunately, we don't often often we don't like being encouraged when we need it. We'd rather pull away, we'd rather distance ourselves, we'd rather back off and have others back off. When things are going south, when things have gotten sideways, when life's not working out like like it ought, we often try to handle things in our own strength. And these are very unfortunate patterns that we often in our lives have. 
We try to keep our composure around others because after all, we don't want to be vulnerable to others. We don't want to be caught with our guard down. We don't want others to see how bad we, we're, we're feeling right now. We'd rather keep it all tucked in nicely and held together. But it's in the context of the community of God's people that we are offered the liberty and the freedom to be ourselves. To be vulnerable. To, to bear our necks toward one another. And to, to, to share in one another's hurts and sorrows and pains and losses. Because Jesus is with His people. And He is the one who was wounded for our sakes. He is the one who, who, who bore His back to be striped so that we would be healed. And He calls us as His people together to be reminded of the great hope that is the majesty and magnitude of Easter. And He calls us together to celebrate His presence in our midst and to be healed together, to be strengthened together, to be stirred up together, to push one another on, to encourage one another, not just to pat each other on the back and say, they're there, but to find strength in one another because He's with us. And He offers Himself to us so that we might find strength and healing in Him. In the weeks ahead, I want to encourage you. This is sort of a, a rallying cry. I want to encourage you, let's live out our faith together. Let's live out the faith together. Let's, let's be the people of faith that we claim to be. I want to encourage you throughout this month of April to, to join us each Sunday. Prioritize it. Mark your calendar for it. RSVP on Facebook if you've got to. Join us for worship throughout this month. I can guarantee you, not that all of your troubles will go away, but you will find new hope and new joy and new opportunity to live in the midst of those troubles. And you'll find new friends who, who, who can strengthen you and help you and encourage you. Let's be sure to gather together throughout this month of April. And think through together, what are the implications of the resurrection of Jesus for our lives? Because He lives what? And I want to encourage you also, take advantage of these small groups that we're offering. You need them. I need them. We all need them. We used to call them care and share groups. David will often still call them that. And that's a, a really good description of what they are. We gather together. We really care about one another. We open up our lives to one another. And sometimes in very 
very different ways in the life of evangelism and, hey, how in the world can I study my Bible? And, hey, my budget's not working. I need help. But we open up together. We share with one another. We care about one another. We pray for one another. We invest in each other. And we learn together and we grow together. And through growing together, we grow closer together and we grow closer to Christ together. I want to encourage you. Take advantage of one of these small groups. And many of you have already started saying that you're going to be a part of the mission opportunities that we've made available in the coming weeks. Together, as we live out our faith together, we are being brought in together as God's people. We are being built up together and strengthened together so that we can go out together and take the hope of the gospel and the love of Jesus to those in need. Let's live what the name of our church is together. Let's be people of faith together. Christ invites us together. He invites us together at a meal and He invites us together as His people And He is in our midst. Through His Spirit, the resurrected one is in our midst. We must have the veil removed from our eyes. We must take a look at His wounds. And in the breaking of bread, He can be known to us. Let's pray.